Hi, we're Visible, the wireless company with nothing to hide. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not into you. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. Welcome to the Gastroenteritis Blues. My name is Steve Littman. I am with Emily Anderson and Dan Volpone on another episode of the podcast, the Gastroenteritis Blues. First question goes to Dan. Dan, I'm noticing you have a new haircut and you have shaved lots of your face, but not all of it. Tell me about you coming to this decision and um, was your girlfriend involved and how does everybody feel? How do you feel? Yeah, I, I feel good. I woke up on Saturday and I said I'm gonna get a haircut today um I don't know why I hadn't been thinking about it at all then I got a haircut and then I was like you know it would look good with this haircut just a, a really long mustache that I have not touched in like five months mm-hmm. and so now I have short hair no beard and a really long mustache and I feel great about it. you look great uh my my dad um, is a is a mustache guy, and he's always been a mustache guy. So I have a, a real soft spot for anybody with a mustache. Um, doesn't have a mustache, but Emily, uh, just to segue, um, you uh, Sixers had a, a good week in the standings. They won every game. They beat everybody by a lot. Um, we'll talk about tonight's game first, as the Sixers beat the Spurs at home. And this was the first game when uh, 3,000 fans were allowed in the arena. One of those fans was our very own Emily Anderson, uh, credentialed at the game because she hosts this podcast. Emily, uh, tell me how your experience was. Take, take us through it. What was it like? Um, it was really fun. It was a great game, first of all, um, to be there. I have to say that it feels really safe at the Wells Fargo Center. Um, they make you like agree that you aren't sick. So there's not like any like temperature check or anything like that, but you are like super distance. Like we were the only people in our row and then there was no one in the row in front of us and there's no one in the row behind us. So you're pretty, you're very distanced and they have signs on which seats you're allowed to sit in. So people can't move around and the ushers, I heard them yell at people multiple times to pull their mask up. So they're not like messing around about that. Great. Um, in terms of fans, stuff um it was kind of sad because they don't let people like out on the court so they don't ring the bell at half court they mm-hmm. ring it like up on the concourse and then they play it on the big screen but like where christian and the sixers sixers and franklin all like hang out on that platform was below us um we were like up in 224 so it was all set up below us behind the benches and so we couldn't see any of it except on the screen so is Christian no longer on the court at all? No, he just does everything from like that stage. Cause I think they want as few people like down on the court with the players as possible. Um, and so they rang the bell from up there as well. Yuki Washington rang the bell tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Franklin repelled from the rafters right in <laughs> front of me. Whoa. It was really cool Whoa. actually. Um, Jordy got a really cool video of it um, and it was just really fun I've never seen anyone more excited to have fans than Dwight Howard he oh. he loved it he loved every second of it he was like pointing at the crowds to scream sucks as the Spurs got announced he was like <laughs> at one point it said like dance cam and Ben pointed at it and Dwight started dancing like trying to get on the dance cam he like every dunk he like looked for the fans to like react to what he was doing. He was like in, Oh, he was the frosty freeze out guy. Yeah. Really wanted the frosty freeze outs. He was really into that. 
Um, he was like the MVP of of engaging the fans tonight, I would say. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. It was really fun. It was so fun to have it be like a blowout game so everyone got to play. Um, Matt, Matt Cord, the PA announcer, announces Paul Reed as B-Ball Paul, like B-Ball Paul for two. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah, that does, so he that say, does he say Reed at all? Like when he comes in the game, does he say Paul Reed or is it all B-Ball Paul? No, he said time? B-Ball Paul. And now entering the game, <laughs> B-Ball Paul. It was just fantastic. Um, Tyrese Maxey got like a, a Tyrese Maxey chant when he came in the game, which was cool. It had to be cool for a rookie. This is his first time playing in front of the home fans. Um, yeah, it was it was just it was really fun. It was it was great to be back. I'm going back again on Wednesday for the Bucks and I'm sitting in the lower level. So hopefully I'll be able to see more stuff then. But it was it was fun. So what does it sound like there? I mean, you've, you've been to a bunch of games. What does it sound like with 3,000 people instead of like 18,000 or 20? Uh, it got loud, but they still play crowd noise, which is kind of funny because at one point they were playing like the, the defense crowd noise, but it's different than like when Matt Cord is saying defense to get the, the crowd into it. It's like legit recorded crowd noise and no one from the crowd was actually doing it. So it was just the crowd noise. <laughs> So they still play that. Um, so I think that whatever you hear on the broadcast is like half real people, half crowd noise. But then there's always like, if you, if like a ref you suck, like started, which it did a few times, like that is obviously all people in there. And it got pretty loud. Like fans are I very passionate about telling the refs that they same suck. Here. So it just, it's just a passion meter. Like, the Tyrese Maxey stuff, like I thought it felt pretty loud um, in terms of stuff like that, that fans really wanted to be sure was heard. Are the intros like they usually are with them running out one up, one by one? No, so they don't, I was disappointed about that. They don't run out of the tunnel. They kind of, they come out the middle tunnel, like where they would, if they would like go back in the locker room, that's where they run out for warmups. And then they kind of all like mill about the chairs and like still run out of like two lines of players, but they don't like go back that tunnel. And then like mm-hmm. the fire doesn't go just like the fire on the scoreboard goes. Um, so it's not as like as much of a production for that part of it. Um, they had a national anthem. They sang it in person behind like glass screen. Oh, uh-huh. I was really hoping for Ron Brooks, but it wasn't Ron Brooks tonight. Gotta get Ron Brooks vaccinated. I know. And then get I'm hoping he's vaccinated. Yeah, exactly. I was able to see sitting like along the court, Elton and Daryl, which was fun. I was I spotted them in the wild. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's it. I didn't see any, I didn't see the six man. I didn't see Horace. I was sad about mm. that. I don't know where he's sitting. Um, they didn't show him. But I'm like, my chances of getting on the Jumbotron are really high at these games. And, if you yeah. want to get on, I didn't get on this time, but I wasn't really trying, but maybe next week or maybe on Wednesday. If you want to get on the Jumbotron, get to one of these games because and the likelihood what do you think is high. What do you think of as trying? So if you're going to give it a shot on Wednesday, is it standing up, dancing, waving your arms? What do you think? I think I, I think like my chances at like the Carlton cam, if I really, mm. if you really go like hard <laughs> at the Carlton, mm-hmm. it's probably your best chance because they like to put kids on and they don't really know what that is. But if you get like a grown adult who like is really leaning into it, I really think that they will put you on the, on the, on the screen. They have to pay the extra 50 bucks to the, for the, in, for the in-game coverage instead of the commercials on League Pass. So I can see Emily doing the Carlton. <laughs> um. So as for the game tonight, the Sixers, they looked pretty good in the first half. There was a little up and down. And then the third quarter, they won the third quarter like 46 to 23. I think they scored on 22 of 23 possessions, according to Zoomoff. Um, they just beat the hell out of, uh, out of the Spurs, who were 19 and 15 coming into the game in the Western Conference. So they're a decent team. Dan, what did you think about this game? Anything in particular stand out? Yeah, I mean, it was it was crazy. They couldn't miss a shot. They were at one point 15 of 25 from three. I know they missed a couple of the end, but like it's like good way through the fourth quarter before they pulled everyone. They're like 60 percent from three. Yeah. And then 
and then like Matisse came in, Matisse hit one, and then Joe came in and Joe hit one. And it was just like nobody could miss. It was it was cool. And knowing it's not like you know, Ben and Tobias had like 30 each. Like just everyone scored. It was like it was the rare game where the entire team, like whoever was in was gonna be scoring. Whoever was in was whoever was in was making their shots. Right. Whoever was in was playing good defense. Um all around, like about as, as perfect of a game as you could have. Yeah, Curry and Green both scored, I think, like 21 and 16 uh, each, and everybody looked great. Emily, from being there in person, you know, is that basically the takeaway you had that everybody was hitting shots? And uh, how were the vibes up close and personal? Yeah, it was well, the vibes were strong for sure. They, I, something else I was when the the young kids were in like the G League team at the end of the game it I was really happy to see like every time anyone let a three fly like Ben was up like everyone was up like cheering for those kids and they were like just like you could tell they really liked each other everyone was like down by like those like video screens that they have at the end that like are in front of where Joel likes to sit like in his like little area and they were all just like casually leaning on them like joking around like <laughs> it, it was just so I was just it made me so happy like I'm just like the vibes are strong with these guys they they like each other they root for each other um and it was it was fun to see in person so yeah um I I will say when you talk about like the G League Sixers being in at the end I really need the trade deadline to happen so that Terrence Ferguson is no longer a part of that group because I Agreed. love all the guys that get in at the end of the game. And then like even Poirier, I think is hilarious how he's just sort of like there. And I have no idea if he's met any of the other guys, but he's, he comes out there um, and Ferguson fucking kills it for me. So I, I just need him to not be on the team or to not be one of the fun guys coming in at the very end. Agreed. Um, it's a real Poirier. disappointment had a really funny foul tonight where he like literally like hugged a person on his way up to shoot and then like jerked his hands back like oh I'm not allowed to do that like did he play in some league where that was allowed and now he's like oh this is the NBA you can't like hug people and yank them down from the rim here and then he just like looked shocked when a foul got called I was like have you have you been hanging out with Dwight too much like what is happening here but it was it was at the point where we're up like 40 points so it was just fun it was great. That, that's really great. Um, as for the other two games this week, the Sixers played Chicago um, without Simmons or Embiid. This was when they were first in the quarantine and they went ahead and blew them out um, without either of those guys. And that was very impressive. And then the Washington game, obviously the big thing to talk about there is Joel's injury. I think we can probably go to that as I don't know if there's a ton from the Chicago game other than Tobias and the guys played very well. Um, uh, and Matisse, who we'll talk about later. Um, the Joel thing, I think this is the fourth time this year that there's been like a text exchange between the three of us that's like, how bad is it? Is he okay? <laughs> like, it's it's the fourth scare. And this one was the worst of them because he was really on the ground holding his knee. I wasn't watching it live, but I saw, you know, lots of hysteria and panic and, um, what you guys were, I think we're both watching it live. Dan, what was your angle on it when it happened? And uh, like, how nervous were you? Yeah, I mean, well, first I was like, I had the game on, but I was also like, I was talking to my roommate and I was like kind of distracted. And then I got a call from my dad and I thought he was just, and then I answered it. And as I'm looking at the screen, I'm, oh, I missed it. Joel has gone down. So obviously mm-hmm. I saw the replay a few times, but I missed it live. Um, yeah, I was, it was, you know, a vibe killer for the rest of the night. I was pretty upset. I was really worried about him. Um, it was, it, it sucks. Because, I mean, obviously it's great news that he's, he's not, you know, going to miss it like a calendar year and, um, and like, not just like basketball wise, but for him that he's healthy and doesn't have to do that long of a rehab and have a major surgery or anything. But um, it, it does suck. This probably, um you know, almost definitely takes him out of the MVP race. Um, and I've been like weirdly invested in that. I know it's like not the thing that you should care about. And it's, I know I, I try to be, you know, eyes on the championship kind of person. Um, but 
you know, Joel's Joel and, and we, and we love him. And I, I wanted this like for, for him and for us to like have Joel win this award, have Joel like prove everyone wrong that he can stay healthy enough to be, you know, you know, have the best season of anyone in the league, which he was doing. Um, and like, you know, it's been, it's like been a really shitty year. And so like, I've fallen into now, like there's nothing to do and I'm not that busy because like I'm graduating soon. My classes aren't hard. So I'll be like middle of the day, like go on YouTube and see what like Stephen A and like Skip and them are saying about <laughs> Joel. Because like he's having a great year and I want to hear people, I don't care if they know what they're talking about or what. I just want to hear them say and know that they're saying to, you know, a national audience that Joel is, you know, having a great year and is one of the best players in the league and should be the MVP. And I had like been doing that for weeks and it's so dumb and it's such a waste of time, but I was so invested in, in, in this. And it, it's, you know, it's just disappointing on that end. It's disappointing to not get to watch him play. Um, obviously tonight was a ton of fun to watch, but a lot of times when Joel doesn't play the games, you know, not people aren't going to be making their shots forever. And it, it's not as, obviously it's not as fun to watch a game without, without Joel and it. Joel's just awesome to watch. So it's a bummer on a few fronts there, but in general, I'm just glad he's all right. Yeah. Um, you know, when we, I think we all, when we all went to bed, uh, whatever night that was, you sort of going to bed thinking like, is tomorrow the like Woj tweet that's like torn ACL we'll see mid season next year. And that's like the worst. I would, I would feel awful if that happened to just end his season right there and uh, with the team in first place and all of that kind of stuff. Um, I agree. I think it's hard for him to win the MVP from here. He needs a lot of other stuff to happen at this point. Whereas if he was just healthy, he, I think, controlled his own destiny. As long as he kept playing as great as he was and the Sixers stayed at the top of the conference, I think he, he probably would have had the votes. And that's, that's a guess. And, you know, the, there's lots of media that wants to vote for LeBron and Jokic has a good case, all that. Um, but now he would need some help and he would need pretty perfect health once he comes back after that and no rest. Um, I don't think it's impossible. I think it's unlikely, which is a shame because I think, you know, as much as we love the whole, all of the Sixers, we probably love Joel, you know, more than everybody else combined just because of yes. who he is and what he's meant to all of us. But overall thrilled that, you know, in a couple of weeks we can see him again and um, uh, just thrilled that he'll be back out there and, and you know, the, the one thing they can do is try to stay in first, which is not easy, especially with the schedule coming up. But if they want to keep him in that race, I think that that would uh, definitely matter down the stretch. But um, yes. And get the um, argument that they stayed in first without him. <laughs> I think it's just, it's, it's going to be so hard because there's, there's basically at this point, you can spin it any way against him, which is if they stay in first, oh, look, they were able to stay in first without him. And if they drop out, well, he wasn't able to stay healthy enough to keep his team in first. It's just you, like, it's going to be you, against him. You need an injury or a slump or, you know, there it's, there's a clear cut three top guys there. Um, so you need some things to fall your way. Um, but I think overall, the big takeaway is thank God it wasn't worse because it really looked a lot worse. Um, Emily, t take me through your uh, mindset, uh, you know, sort of while that happened and afterwards. Yeah. So I was most worried. He went down. It looks it didn't look as bad live as it looked in like all the slow-mo mm -hmm. replays, which is how it always is. But I got really worried when he like had his face down and it looked like he was sobbing and it wasn't like a, like a pain sob. It was like a post Toronto Raptor sob and like oh. players know when, when their shit is bad. And so that's when I was like, he knows the season's over. Like he knows and it, he, it's broken him. And I like, it was not okay. Me and Jordy were supposed to watch a movie after and I just went to bed. I was like, I can't like, <laughs> like he, like I get like really riled up about like tweet, like tweets and dumb stuff. And he was showing me one and I didn't get riled up. And the next morning he was like, I thought that that injury like damaged your soul a little bit. So I'm glad that he's okay. So you can go back to normal. Um, but yeah, so that's what I was worried. I was happy when I like watched it, not happy, that's the wrong word, but more relieved when I watched it again. And it looked like it went straight back instead of side to side, because I thought you feel you'll do more damage if you're like moving horizontally versus like back and forth. Um, and that the fact that he walked on it 
and like put a decent amount of weight on it. I know people walk with ACLs, but like, just, you can tell like how much weight they're putting on it. And he looked like he was putting a decent amount of weight on it. So I felt good. And then I went to bed and then I woke up and I had like, however many tweet alerts from Woj and I just saw bone bruise and I was just so excited. I just texted my dad, all caps bone bruise. And he was like, this is a weird text, but I know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, and I heard a doc quote today that that Joe, knowing that he doesn't need surgery and it's just rest, like he has a good rehab plan and he feels good about it and he's just ready to like tackle it and get back. So I'm glad that he's in that mindset. It doesn't seem like it's really like brought his spirit down too much, which is always good to hear. Yeah, I will say, thank God. It was so nice to have the news first thing when we all woke up the next day instead of just going the whole day you know refreshing and refreshing and guessing and um so I was very happy about that I do have a question about like when a player so that he got the MRI back in Philadelphia where did where did these MRIs happen like do they just like put it take him to like Jefferson to get it and like he just walks the halls to the MRI machine like does a doctor have a mobile MRI machine they bring to the facility like I don't understand I think and I didn't know if anyone knows do they have one at this facility? I, I think they have like a medical partnership with like, you know, they have like sponsors and stuff like, but they call them like partners with the Sixers. Like this is just a guess, but I would imagine they go somewhere like that and have priority there, like as part of being like partners with the team. But mm -hmm. I don't know if that's true. That's just how I've always pictured it. Yeah. I just think it's like weird. Like I just like half pictured Joel like sitting in the emergency room with Daryl Morey, like waiting to get his MRI. I <laughs> Filling out the forms. I yeah, think he definitely like, doesn't wait. Yeah, like, well, what's your insurance information? Like, <laughs> Employer? It yeah. was like a Blue Cross, Blue Shield, it's like yeah. Adam Silver. Um, uh, so, yeah, thank God that, you know, it's not worse than it was. And I hope that whenever he comes back, he's full strength and don't rush it and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, other stuff. Uh, I thought that it might be time to talk about Tobias and like the season he's had on the whole, obviously he wasn't an all-star. It was a tough um, omission, but there were a lot of guys that uh, were right up there this year. Um, Tobias has been so good this year, but he hasn't, you know, for a little while, it was like he's shooting all these more threes, but that sort of has faded away and he looks a lot like the player he's always been, but he's just making lots more shots than he used to. And I think he's passing the ball a little bit better and he's dribbling less. Um, Tobias uh, Trill, friend of ours on Twitter, um, this is from uh, the 12th. So the, this isn't completely updated, but Tobias Harris ISO scoring this season. Uh, his frequency is 67.6, which is second in the NBA. Um, he's fourth in the NBA at points per possession in an ISO and he's uh, fourth in the NBA in efficiency from the field in an ISO and Tobias without Ben and Embiid on the season is plus 9.8 uh, in 116 minutes, which is just crazy. I mean, everybody so sucks I have different without numbers him. than that, but I, I wrote ones? about that recently. I had, I had him playing more minutes and being slightly less of a plus, but my numbers maybe included some kind of garbage time. Like he might have something. What do you have? Money or something. Uh, I wrote about it the other day. He was like a plus five something in like 160 minutes, but that was not updated. That was that was pre All Star break. Got it. Um, yeah, I mean, just you know, everybody since Joel has started playing has sucked without Joel, and to see him holding up these lineups and the bench obviously isn't great anyway. Um, without Ben and without uh, Embiid is really impressive, and I just think that like he's been way better than any of us could have really uh hoped he would be this year um and and i think they're super lucky to have him especially now that it's going to be him and simmons trying to hold down the fort um for the next few weeks without joel emily do you have anything on tobias well besides the minutes without like joel and ben and, and still being a plus he's also a plus because he's like the floor general that all bench lineup like when the starters start to come out he's the one that stays in with shake and matisse and those guys and he's able to like keep them together and not let leads slip. Even like tonight, I was like, there was two minutes left. And I was like, hopefully they can, 
you know, keep this lead and not go, I don't know if it's the first quarter or the half, but like go into the half, like still up. And they actually added to the lead. It was like eight when they started and 11 at the end. So they were able to like put even more on the Spurs. He's like able to really lead these young guys and like guide them. And it's like a good center point for that bench unit. And I, I think he should be like commended for that as well. I mean, the Sixers last year could never hold a lead. Even when they were playing well, it's like the starters would go out and then the lead would evaporate and they would have to come back in. And it's Tobias. And I think, you know, you can also credit Dwight so much for for keeping these lineups above water. Um, Dan, anything else on Tobias? I guess, you know, one more thing on Tobias is just that we talk a lot about how hard – having Horford was for like Fan and Joel for the spacing, but the way Tobias is, um, I think it was really hard on him too. And possibly, you know, just as hard, you know, like I think we overlook it because Tobias mostly has been, been up until this season had been kind of a disappointment. And it wasn't just like last season, he was fine to end the year before, but he stunk in the playoffs and then, you know, I think we a lot of us talked ourselves into maybe you know Tobias is is probably just what he is, and he's mm-hmm. he's a he's a solid but not great player, not even a very good player. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, you know, it was unnatural for everyone. You had you know Ben and Horford playing more in the in the mid range than they wanted to, and you had like these awkward like it wasn't like everyone was under the rim, but you had like the quadruple post up with the you know everyone, you know, foul line or, 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 you know, 15 feet from the basket. And that's where, that's where Tobias wants to be. And what you were alluding to earlier were, you know, he was taking more threes a little bit to start the year and he was, you know, being quicker about taking them. It always looked unnatural. Um, And he was making them like you, I was like, just happy that he was, he was being quick and, and making those shots, but he didn't look like comfortable doing it. He doesn't, he's just not quick in that in that way like now that he's like slow but he's like in making decisions he's just not that kind of player and he's been a little bit better at it he's still like frustrating at it sometimes but with the he wants to go to the middle of the floor he wants he doesn't want to take the three he wants to to you know attack the closeout basically every time and he wants to go take that pull up you know either go all the way out of the rim or take that pull up 13 14 footer um and with more space he's been able to do that he's just making his shots more, but he's, I think, been able to get to an area of the floor where he's more comfortable in, in a way that he hasn't maybe at all with the Sixers. Um, because I, I think that that Jimmy was not, obviously I would love to have Jimmy back, but he wasn't spacing the floor. Like, you know, Danny Green and Seth where they're just going to hang behind the three-point line. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think that has been big for Tobias. And um, he's, he's had a, a very, very, very good season. And, you know, the, the things that Emily pointed out about carrying the bench units, yeah, I wish we had more players who could do that, but he's doing a, a pretty good job for, for, you know, being all we have to work with because he can, you know, I think he's he has found a nice balance of, like, you know, figuring out his role when Ben and Joel are in, especially especially Joel. He's, he's you know, he's scoring more than Ben. So I'll say when Joel is in, you know, the offense is going to go through Joel. And when Joel is out, Tobias has to say – okay, this is a different game for me now. I'm now I'm now our top scoring threat. I'm the guy who has to get the bucket. I'm not just, you know, scoring when it comes to me, getting it into Joel. Um, and I think he's gotten comfortable, like, switching that gear and or, like, you know, flip, flipping the switch pretty quickly when he needs to. So um, just, like, all around, I've been really impressed with him. You've seen that at the end of games, too. Uh, Tobias – really can get his own shot. Um, overtime not, against the Jazz, for sure. Oh, right, overtime against the Jazz, a game winner against the Lakers. Um, he, he's been very reliable for them in that role, and they need that because as great as Embiid is, and listen, Embiid's done it a bunch of times this year already, but it does get harder to play the ball through the post uh, at the end of the game. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right, $25 a month every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. 
rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. Um, the other person that I figured we should talk about is Matisse Thibel. Um, His defense has been really good for a while now this season after a bad start, but he's also been, he had a great week. He shot the ball really well. Um, he is 38% from three over his last 17 games. And I think it's actually 39 or, or, or above now. This is according to Zoom Off on the telecast. And uh, Trill also tweeted about uh, Matisse, and he said that almost every lineup that Fiebel is in uh, is a plus, except for the ones with Ben, Matisse, and Dwight. Um, Fiebel and Danny Green is uh, plus 20. Fiebel and Ben with no Dwight is plus 19. Thibel and Embiid is plus 12, Thibel and Tobias plus 9, Thibel and Seth plus 8, uh, Thibel with Ben and Embiid is plus 32. Um, he's been hitting shots, he looks less sort of frantic out there, um, and he's just been playing great, and I think that's huge for them if he can be a playable player offensively. And after the game tonight, Doc Rivers said uh, the same thing. This is from Rich Hoffman from the Philly Voice, or no, from The Athletic? The athletic. He said uh, uh, on Matisse's recent uh, offensive uptick, it's so important for us. We're going to need to play in a tight game with him on the floor. We don't want to do offense, defense substitutions. We need him to be available offensively, and he's starting to do that. Uh, so very good news uh, for the Sixers and for Matisse. Emily, what have you thought about the way Matisse has been lately? Yeah, he's been really good. Um also, like, he's just been stealing the ball, like, constantly. He has, like, 10 steals over the last three games or something crazy. He had three tonight. And, like, he – tonight it was, like, one into a three-pointer and one into a dunk, which, like, the bench went nuts over. Um, <laughs> but, like, tonight he didn't – he didn't miss a shot tonight. Like, he was four for four from the field. He had two three-pointers. pointers, And that's, like, something that people have always said about Matisse is they want to see his shot come along a little bit. And it's still not – it could still be better, but I think we've seen growth in that area, like you said. And so as long as he just keeps getting better and his defense stays as good as it is. I mean, earlier this season, we were talking about Matisse being out of the rotation. And now that seems that's like that's not true. Like he's very much in the rotation and very much a valuable part of a playoff rotation coming down the line the way that he's playing right now. He straight up just takes the ball from if somebody's dribbling in front of him who is like not confident, he'll just take it. He took it from some Serbian guy today. It was a lot of fun. Um, Dan, uh, what do you think about Matisse lately? Yeah, Matisse has been great. And I'm I'm honestly more encouraged by stuff besides the shot. I don't think his I mean he's been shooting well lately, which is great. I'm not super confident that'll last. I mean, guys do guys get hot. Um, Matisse has gotten hot before. Uh, if it got hot in the playoffs, that would be amazing, but it's hard to predict, you know, if that'll happen. For the most part, you know, you can go off of the fact that he's shooting 29.4% from three this year. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not a good three-point shooter. Uh, he's he's not, you know, I guess he's not like Ben from three, and I'm, I'm not trying to say there's no value in him taking them. I don't think it's like if he's wide open, I think it's a good shot, and he should take it, whereas I think like, you know, Ben should just, you know, stick to what he's good at, which is he's He's got the hook going. He's he's been mm-hmm. he's looked really good scoring lately. Um, I think that if you know, Dave early talked about this even when when Matisse was shooting like forty five percent to start his rookie year, um, and he was like, "I hope it keeps up," but I really hate Matisse's form. And he was mm-hmm. like, "I don't I I don't think he looks like a good shooter when he shoots the ball." Um, and Dave does a lot of stuff with shooting form. And at the time, I was like. Yeah, I think Dave always has a good analysis of this, but I really hope he's wrong because I, I mean, Matisse is like, you know, coming in and immediately the best three and D player in the league at this point. <laughs> um, but you know, surely he, he was you know shooting around thirty percent in college. He's shooting around thirty percent now. I think he ended up at like 35, 35.7 last year. So I think he there is room to go up. I'm not saying he is you know as bad as he started this year or ended last year. And I think it's encouraging right. he's shooting well, but. More than anything, I think, you know, he's looked like surprisingly competent in other ways. He's looked all season to me more comfortable dribbling the ball, which mm. he doesn't do a lot. So I don't think it had been super worthy of talking about. But you saw today, like he got a steal and went down on the break, led the break and made a really nice, like tough pass, like 
a good reason. I think it was to, to Danny Green, I want to say. To Corkmouth. For, for to Corkmouth. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Um, who played great tonight. Um, mm. And But it was it was a great pass from, from Matisse. And defensively, like, I think people went, like, last year, people got a little excited because it was, like, it was his rookie year. No one is is as good of a defender as he was his rookie year. But it's not like he was, like, an all-league defender last year. He was, like, exciting and made plays but also like he couldn't handle some guys. Like, it's not like he was bad like right now, just locking anyone up. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, when he came in, people were, you know, Sixers fans wanted to say, oh, is he already better than Covington? And it's like, no, of course he's not better. He's a rookie, <laughs> like, absolutely not. But I think he's gotten, you know, and not that this is surprising, but he's taken a big step forward defensively too. Like I thought last year he was a good defender who wasn't going to handle, you know, stars and could make, plays sometimes um, and could sometimes really over pursue and, and get beat bad. Um, and this year he's just like an elite defender. Like he's extremely, extremely good on defense. He's guarding one-on-one -on -one better. He's stealing the ball even more than he was. And he's, he's taking on tougher assignments. Um, and so if he can be this, yeah, like he, he, that you need that defense in the playoff rotation, and we just have to hope he's hitting shots because he's too important defensively to to be like. Uh, there's just no way you're playing Korkmaz over him in a series where one of, you know, two of, you know, Harden or I guess at least one of Harden and Irving are always on the floor. So um, it, it's it's huge if he can if he can be good on offense or just passable. Yeah, I think. I think you made a great point that he really has gotten better defensively. He's fouling, I think, just visual, like to my eye, he's fouling a lot less. And he's just like, just take this week. I mean, he played great on Zach Levine and Dad and Bradley Beal. Like he, he just really is somebody that you can use like that. Whereas last year, I think they would rather have put him on somebody off the ball to sort of wreak havoc and not get exposed but this year I feel so comfortable with him so it'll honestly be interesting to see if he can land on an all defense team I think it's probably hard off the bench but he has pretty good notoriety around the league I wonder if he can sneak onto one uh, especially if he keeps playing you know solid role I'd like him to that'd be fun um Tony Bradley had a huge game against uh Chicago uh, I'm a fan of Tony Bradley, uh, and it seems like he's now going to be the starter with him beat out with them keeping sort of Dwight and shake and their roles off the bench. Um, something that I'd like to talk to you guys about, uh, is also from Rich Hoffman, uh, after the Chicago game, uh, Doc Rivers said, uh, that Tony Bradley has lost 25 pounds since the season started. That's bullshit, right? Emily. You're I mean, a doctor. There's no way. I mean, unless he like, like, did he's he played basketball before this. Like, it's not like he was like a normal person, and then they just picked up the street and he started working out. So that seems crazy. And like, also, a lot of times, like, if you are getting back into shape, like, you lose weight, but you also gain muscle. So like, 25 pounds seems like a lot because muscle weighs more than fat. So like, if you're adding muscle. Like it, he kind of evens out. I'd be That's worried my... about him. There's no fucking yeah, way is... that he lost 25 he pounds. allergic through... to something? Like, Sesame do we need to check in? Here's another thing. I think that Doc Rivers doesn't really know what's going on sometimes. There was that one time when he was like, oh, yeah, as far as I know, Joel is fine. Meanwhile, like, Joel is like <laughs> questionable on the on the injury sheet tonight he said that, yeah. <laughs> tonight he said i didn't know there was going to be fans there tonight it was a nice surprise so like <laughs> i don't know that he knows what's happening sometimes well, you think he'd be like pre-game like we have fa we finally have fans like let's let's you know let's let's get excited let's do it for you know or some he was some like, like he that. said it post game i didn't know there was going to be fans there tonight <laughs> doc That's might awesome. be so, like, Doc might be a flip the switch guy and he's waiting for the playoffs to really turn it on and start paying attention to the team. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know because playoff Doc lately has not been great. That's also true. That's also true. Um, uh, Dan, 25 pounds, there's no way, right? I mean, between what month is it right now? That seems dangerous. It, the season hasn't been going on that long. Season, okay, it's March. I checked. Uh, between December 22nd and March 14th, there's absolutely no way 
that this guy lost 25 pounds. If I don't eat for like three days, I could lose maybe three pounds. I don't know. But how you think he didn't eat for 25 days? days? No, I, I think he's, <laughs> I don't know. I think it's crap. <laughs> There's no I, way. I can't, I can't believe it, but whatever. I hope it's working and uh, I hope it's, that's some real intermittent fasting. Maybe. I don't know. Um, uh, Henry Abbott of True Hoop did a sort of feature on the Sixers and uh, on Joel and Daryl and all of this kind of stuff. Pretty normal stuff of, of what we've been hearing from all of them. But one thing that I thought we should talk about is that in that piece, Daryl tells uh, Henry Abbott that phone. he bought an iPhone just to FaceTime with Joel. Um, Dan, you're in a long-term relationship. If Andrea said, I need you to buy an Android to FaceTime with me, what would you do? So like in this world, only Androids have FaceTime. Exactly. Well, I would say no, because I don't want to lose all my other friends by sending them green texts. Mm. And then it's like, they don't want to talk to me. Um, but I, I'm a little confused about that actually. So, so I, I read that and I thought, oh, that's so nice. But then I thought about it and it was like, as soon as he was hired, we saw the screenshot of him FaceTiming Joel. Unless right. they weren't on FaceTime and Joel was like, Daryl, this app is terrible, whatever app they use. Like, I need you to get an iPhone. But either way, I love that they talk because that's adorable. So what I think it is, you know, Daryl was hired like through sources. And then I think it was a week probably in between that and when it was public. And then he posted that screenshot. So, oh, so in that maybe time, somewhere in there, Joel was like, go to the fucking Verizon store and buy an <laughs> iPhone and FaceTime me. And we can talk. Right. Um, Emily, what do you think of this sort of behavior? And would you do it in your own life? Um, I support the behavior, number one. In my own life, it's hard. So I have been up until very recently in a long-term relationship of two different, of a an Android user. And I am a staunch iPhone user. And we made it five whole years in that in that way is it mm -hmm. tough but we made it and now we're both team iphone that's good um we've gotten there so um but so yeah he knows I, that you really like him because you put up with his android crap for five years exactly that's how, between, I, that's how he knows it's gonna between last. you putting up with the android crap and you committing to marry him i think he probably knows that you like him at this point. <laughs> I think he knows. well listen anyone can get married but not everyone can deal with an iphone or deal with an yeah. android all the time it's true. Well, very happy to hear that stuff. Yeah, it's delightful. It's adorable. I support it. I hope that Daryl has met Arthur via FaceTime. I love it. I, that would be great. A um, couple more things before we get out of here. Uh, did we talk about this on uh, what's that thing? Locker room, the Will Barton thing? I don't know if we talked yes, about it on there. I we think did. so. Jason I want to say we did. Of uh, Bleach Report. Uh, yes, yes, because we I reread part of the Dumas thing on there. Okay. Any other thoughts on Will Barton? Are you guys yes or no on Will Barton, Emily? I don't really have an opinion. I don't watch a ton of basketball. That's not Sixers basketball, so I don't really know what Will Barton is doing these days. Um, he has beautiful skin and he's handsome. Mm. Um, but about his fit in with the Sixers, I don't really know that much, sadly. Okay. Dan? Yeah, let's do it. Great. I like Me it. too. Uh, he gets buckets. I like it. Um, finally, great skin. before we, uh, great skin, what else can you ask for? Uh, before we get to our predictions and a look at the standings, our standings, that is, uh, the Bachelor finale is uh, Monday night. Um, we are down to three. There's in the preview, there's a lot of crying in this episode. Emily, do you know anything? Two, right? Yeah, we're down to two. Oh shit! We're down to two. Rachel and Michelle. Michelle, yes, love Michelle. Um, Rachel, haven't decided. Emily, um, <laughs> Emily, <laughs> Emily. Uh, I believe you know through a spoiler who wins. Do you know anything else about this episode? Um, no, not really. And they're doing after the final rose. Is it a two-hour episode and then after the final rose? 
I think so. Holy shit. Well, the after well, the final rose is usually like kind of th throughout, right? Like it's like yeah, the, and that episode is like the, like it's usually live audience, and then they have like the the screen and they're like oh let's go to this and then the audience watches on the screen but like they're announcing oh let's take a look at this now right yeah so it'll be interesting how they do it Emmanuel Acho is hosting it this year so it'll be a fun change of face and I'm excited for it for um, sure Dan it's just you and me here what, what do you think who wins Emily no reactions okay turn my video off <laughs> so there's just there's no way that Rachel doesn't win. Right. Like, why? Like, first of all, when you get down to the end, besides Zach, who we were all rooting for, they never pick the one you want. And like, yeah. everyone likes Michelle, and no one likes Rachel. And <laughs> look, all right, I'm not. I'm just. I'm saying there's good reason. I'm not saying there's like something about her. It's there's that one thing. It's like, wait, she's, do you do you have a guess as to what all the crying is about? Yeah, so we, well, my guess was that he picks Rachel, and then they tell him. That's my I guess. I can't imagine how that works. I, but or because it doesn't have to be like like I think they could like like say like they ended up breaking up because like they finally okay like oh Matt like you can have your phone back and he's like I, I have to follow Rachel <laughs> on Instagram and then he's like oh shit oh, so no. then I've, so I've then yeah he's like oh damn it so then they like they still have the producers around or like they have him, you know, come around to like have him like talk about this. And he just breaks down because he's like, wow, I really thought I was going to get married. And then as it, as it turns out, she is a big fan of the Confederacy. That would be wild. I, um, yeah, I definitely think that she wins. Um, I don't, uh, I don't know what all the crying's about. I think that if, if you're right in that, I think it's a lot of fun to watch. It's going to be great television. Um, but yeah, anyway, while Emily is not here, what do you think of her podcasting lately while she's not here? Let's dish. I think, she, I think she's been great, but if she asks, I think that she could step it up a bit. Great. Uh, Emily, if you want to rejoin. There she is. Hey. Um, Hi. Let's get into our predictions for this week. This is a four-game week, uh, four no Joel games, uh, all in one week. It's two. It's two back-to-backs. It is. Oh, actually, first Emily, please update us on the standings after this week. Okay, so I am continuing my strong push towards victory by just saying that the Sixers will win every game. <laughs> With I the coward pick last week of I think they'll lose one, but I don't want to guess which. Oh, that's right. Yeah, like, but they didn't win. They didn't lose any. So <laughs> right. I got to go three and zero. Um, you guys both went two and one. So Dan is twenty four and nineteen. I'm twenty and fifteen, and Steve is twenty two and twenty one. Over five hundred for I think the first time this year. So. Thank you guys. Thank you so much. So proud um, of you, friend. That's great. I'm on my way. Um, so this week they have a back-to-back -back at home against the Knicks and Milwaukee, and then they're they I don't know how, why they do these back-to-backs the way they are. Then they're at Sacramento, and then the very next night they are, or no, sorry, they play Sacramento at home, and then the very next. Now it makes more sense. I'll go fuck off. And then they play the Knicks. Um, sorry, we can just forget about that. Um, all right. So they play the Knicks twice. They play Milwaukee, and they play Sacramento. Uh, Emily, what are your predictions? Okay. I'm going to break with tradition here. Oh, boy. I'm going to say they lose to the Knicks. Is, to, is the next game away or home? The first next game, or are they both? First next game's home. Okay. Uh -huh. so they, it's, this is Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. Saturday, Saturday. Saturday. Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday. Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday. All right. I feel, well, okay. I feel confident that they're going to beat the – I don't feel confident, but I'm going to say they're going to beat the Bucks one because I'm going, and I don't want to just, like, put it out in the universe that I'm going to see a loss. I think it would be fun to beat the Bucks, even with – it's always fun. And without Joel, it would be a big statement, a big step-up game for our guys. So I'm going to say when that – Um. I'm going to say, okay, they're going to beat the next both games, but they're going to lose to Sacramento. That's what I'm going to say. Mm. 
understand. And don't worry right, about so it. I'll say we beat the Knicks the first game. We lose to Milwaukee. They just try way too hard every time. There's no way. It's just like, you know, there's there's no mercy. You know, there's no like Giannis is like, oh, like I don't have to, you know, I, I have less to prove now and they're easier. Like maybe I can take it easy without Embiid. Like, no, like he's 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 good. this is a good thing i made fun of him for in the all-star game but like he brings it he brings it every night i think that that they win that one they're they're still really good um i think that we beat sacramento but we lose the back-to-back in new york against the knicks we'll be really tired and you know the knicks are pretty good so th- that's my guess two and two week <clears throat> all right I'm going to say that the Sixers beat the Knicks at home, that they beat the Bucks at home. The Sixers are just so good at home. And uh, that, you know, I'm sure it'll be the same number of fans and Emily will be there reporting for the pod. And I think that they'll beat the Bucks because they'll just be so juiced up. And I think they shoot better at home and maybe the Bucks will have an off night. I, you know, certainly in a vacuum, you would pick the Bucks against the Sixers without Joel. But here we go. And then they beat Sacramento at home. And then we got a podcast after, baby. They're losing that next game on Sunday. Um, I think my big thing is going to be predicting Sunday losses. It didn't work this week, but going forward, we'll see how it goes. So, yeah, I have three and one losing to the Knicks in the final game of the week. Anything else from either? No. No, bedtime. At time. Good talking to you both. Um, we will be back on Locker Room at some point this week. We'll let you know when that is. That's always a lot of fun. Come and hang out and uh, ask us questions there. And, uh, <laughs> don't send another review like that guy who said, who sent us a review. Uh, although I did think it was funny. Um, yeah. It was so nitpicky. It was really nitpicky. Against was you guys, not me. Well, Emily, we know you're great. All right. Yeah. Um, All right. Good seeing you guys. I'll see you soon. See ya. Bye. Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just visible. Switch today at visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see visible.com.